You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Well, Paul, we're going to be doing something a little bit different this week. Paul? 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 Ah, shit. All right, so... um. It turns out that the um, farm or something, wherever Paul lives, uh, they apparently lost their internet. So, I mean, uh, I, I figure that the hamster that runs on the little wheel that charges his Wi-Fi must have died. So he's not going to be joining us today, um, unfortunately. I was rather looking forward to having him in here because, uh, well, I'll be honest with you, this particular episode is going to be a mailbag episode. This was originally planned for it to be a Patreon exclusive. Uh, you can consider yourself lucky or not that this is actually going to be our actual episode this week because I've got nothing else and I'm running really close to the deadline and uh, Paul's not going to make it. So I got to get something out for you guys. So I put a couple of... Uh, I put it out there for the past week asking the community and our fans, uh, Hey, ask a few questions to that. We'll answer. Or I think we actually have enough to fill an episode. So, um, let's, uh, let's dive right in. Sarah Kelly from the classic gamers guild Facebook group asks, what was your first adventure game experience? How old were you and who introduced it to you? So the answer to this is actually something I have mentioned a few times throughout the show, but um, I mean, I guess I'm not going to assume that everybody has listened to everything so far. We did uh, gain, hopefully, quite a few uh, new listeners over the last few weeks. I'm really hoping. I really, really like to hope that there's some sort of progress uh, being made in terms of our fan base or uh, listener base. Um, the... The answer that I generally give is it was Police Quest by Sierra. Uh, it was the actually the very second game that I ever got on my IBM compatible, as we used to call it back then. Uh, the first one being another Sierra game, but not an adventure. It was 3D Helicopter Simulator. And I think, um, you know, my memory for timelines is not really that great. I'm pretty sure Police Quest came first. Um, it was either that or Zork that I got to play on the Commodore 64s in the uh, computer lab of my old elementary school. Now, um, I actually didn't get very far into Zork because I was never very good at it and I only had limited times to play each, you know, a couple times a week. So I never finished that. And um, so I guess I'm just going to give this to Police Quest uh, just to say. I was probably about nine or ten. I think nine. Uh, eight or nine, actually. I think eight or nine sounds about right. I, I honestly couldn't even tell you. Like I said, uh, my mind for timelines have never been very sound. The only other answer I could really give as an alternative to this, for those of you who are tired of hearing me say uh, the same story over and over again, I think if there's one adventure game that predates Police Quest for me, it is the game that is literally called Adventure on the Atari. I know it's not really the uh, kind of adventure game that we think about today when we mention adventure games, but it was a game, it was named Adventure, so there you go. Those are uh, somewhere between those three is my number one. Um, I played Adventure on Atari at a family friend's house 
I actually forget who it was. I'm not sure if they were close family friends. I think it just might have been like, I, I honestly can't remember. I was really young, really young. I barely sentient. Um, I didn't really hit sentience until I was probably about 25. Uh, the uh, like I said, the computer lab was where I played Zork, and then Police Quest. Uh, I don't know who it was that gave it to us. It was a um, uh, one of my brother's friends. I don't even remember which brother it was. Just one day I came home and we had the discs for a Police Quest, and um, yeah, that's as far as it goes. That was back in the time where disc copying was very rampant. Uh, when when one of the neighborhood kids bought a game, that meant the neighborhood had that game. And um, so I couldn't trace it back to you. I honestly can't, but uh, that's that's how that got going. Moving on, we have one from Jude Gore, also from the Classic Gamers Guild Facebook group. And Jude asks, what's the classic point-and-click game that never got the sequel you really thought it deserved? Or another sequel if it already had some? Um, I'm going to answer for Paul here and say he'd probably say uh gold rush if he were here he would probably also say space quest if he were here if he were here because he were not here right now um i'm just giving you a hard time paul i know you're listening to this um i actually consider myself very fortunate when it comes to sierra because i honestly feel that all of the sierra adventure games that I liked, uh, the series, I should say, they all ended at either the exact right moment in the case of like Quest of Glory 5, or they kind of stepped a little too far. By the time Sierra ended, I don't feel that there were any loose ends. I think if anything, there were a couple of ends that could have been snipped. And some of you may bring the argument in that, hey, at least those games gave people jobs, and I agree with that. That's cool. I'm all for people getting paid to do work. Um, I personally would have rathered that they had been um, put towards different games is all. But um, in terms of series, yeah, I don't think any of those really need another sequel. Um, so that brings us to, well, let's go with Accolade first, because they had like a bunch of um, adventure games like Altered Destiny and uh, uh, Less Manly. And I didn't really particularly like very many of those, so they can just kind of stop. Um, yeah, uh, forget those guys. I did not play the Carandia series very far. I only got a little bit into the first one. And that brings us to LucasArts. Fate of Atlantis, it was great. Uh, doesn't need a sequel. If there was going to be another Indiana Jones adventure game, cool. But it would be a totally different story, just as every Indiana Jones stories are very, um, uh, you know, obviously the same character. Obviously, there's a little bit of a through line, but they're not really um, connected, connected. Like, you know, they're, they're pretty standalone. Uh, you don't need to continue Atlantis. You don't need to continue Last Crusade. Uh, so in terms of a true sequel, they don't need anything if it ended where it did, which it did, obviously. Um there's nothing to cry over. Those were great games, and uh, they they wrapped up nicely. They don't need anything else. Um, more would be merrier, but they don't need it. Monkey Islands. Uh, honestly, I only really played the first one. Uh, I, I know I'm missing out on the second one. I hear some fantastic things about the second one, but I also hear that the series is kind of dragged out a bit. A lot of people these days kind of talk about how there's a missed opportunity of never making a... Uh, um, what you call the Star Wars point-and-click adventure. That would have been cool, but that's not a sequel to anything if they did, so can't really say that. Um, 
Elephant in the Room is Loom because it was supposed to have a sequel that never happened. And I will say this again. I've said it many times before. I really hope that the sequel does not happen. I don't care how much it was planned. I don't care how much it was not really a direct sequel or whatever. You know, they said it was going to be something else, but in the same universe. No, I don't care. Loom was perfect. Let it stay perfect. It's one game and that's how it should be. And that's how I want it to always be forever. So, uh, yeah, close LucasArts down before they are tempted to make another loom. Um, so to actually answer your question of which um, adventure series do I really want to have a sequel? That's actually a really good question uh, that I actually have to think about um, a fair amount before I can really come up with an answer. So... Uh, give me a second. I'm going to pause and I'll be right back as soon as I've thought of something. Okay, I'm back. Blade Runner. Let's go with Blade Runner. I actually did not really particularly want there to be a sequel to the movie. The sequel to the movie was okay. It wasn't bad, but I didn't hate it. I thought it was good, if anything, just I didn't love it the way I loved the original Blade Runner. Um, but I think that any sort of a sequel to the game, the adventure game, would have been great. Um, whether it's a spin-off, whether it's a direct sequel... I just want more Blade Runner Adventure game because that was a wonderful game that I would have loved to have more of. So Jude uh, has a second question as well, and he asks, uh, which classic game had the best soundtrack? I am not nearly an authority on music enough to um, weigh in on best, per se. Paul might have had some really good insight onto that because he's a musician, but unfortunately, Paul's not here. Paul. But... um. <laughs> Um, it's all I can really say is my favorite, and that's um, Quest for Glory 4, Shadows of Darkness. I think that that was, uh, um, I like it because it really captures the tone and the mood of the game. It is that, you know, that moodier, darker kind of um, feel for it. It has a bit more of a rock sound, which, uh, as much as I like rock, it's not that I like it because it's rock particularly, but I think that it worked well for the setting. I think it really hit the emotional impact of the game. Like, uh, if you took the music out, I don't think the game would have really affected me as much as it did. Uh, I think the music is probably one of the most important parts of that game in terms of, like, the overall experience. And interestingly enough, it's actually uh, a soundtrack that gets better on subsequent playthroughs. Because, you know, once I already know stuff that's going to happen... Um, I kind of, you know, I hear the music and it kind of already gives me that sort of feeling of like, oh, now that I know what's going to happen, this music means a little bit more to me or it affects me a little bit more. It kind of like touches a different nerve with me uh, compared to the first time I heard it going in completely blind. Actually, I kind of even just realized now, I think Quest for Glory 4 really is a game that I think is a lot better generally on repeat playthroughs more so than the first time. I I don't think that's a game that's sort of, uh, uh, I wish I could play it for the first time again. Uh, no, I think um, I think the beauty of Quest for Glory 4 is it gets better each time you play it. And I think the music has a lot to do with that for me personally. So um, best, I don't know. Favorite, definitely that. Um, yeah, some honorable mentions go to uh, Dune. I think a lot of people kind of agree that Dune had a really great one. Um, not Dune 2, but the uh, Dune adventure game kind of uh, whatever you, I don't know it's a really weird kind of game but it was awesome and the music was great 
Yeah, I mean, like, there's a lot of classic games that have, like, amazing games. Like, if you want to really go into, you know, classic games, I can even, you know, expand that into um, a lot of the uh, console games. So, you know, obviously there's the Marios and the Zeldas. You know, Zelda's particularly awesome. Uh, Punch-Out, probably my favorite song from the uh, NES era was the uh, Punch-Out theme. Um, I guess if I really wanted to go for a bit of a deep dig, um, Shantae. More so particularly the um, Pirate's Curse, which I know is not really uh, aged enough to be a classic, but um, what's it called? The um, Scuttletown theme uh, is a fantastic theme, and I'm pretty sure that dates back, if not to all the way back to the Game Boy Color, then at least the Game Boy Advance. I I do know it's in the Game Boy Advance version. I forget what that particular entry was called. Um, but I think that, uh, that would qualify it as a classic theme. Moving on. So Sean McCauley, uh, again, from the classic gamers guild Facebook group asks, what's wrong with people who eat hamburgers rather than cheeseburgers? Um, maybe they're lactose intolerant. Maybe. Um, if, if it's just by choice, then, uh, the answer is everything. Everything's wrong with them. That, that's just weird. Why would you do that? Just don't don't trust anyone who would do such a thing. That's that's horrible. Steven Schroeder uh, via Twitter asks, what are the best in-development projects to keep an eye on? Uh, this is another one which um, I'm going to be giving a lot of plugs, which I have been giving quite a bit throughout the, uh, throughout the past year on the show. Uh, number one, obviously, uh, The Crimson Diamond by Julia Minamata. That's been getting uh, some pretty good publicity lately. Uh, Julia has been on the show a few times to talk about it uh, at great length. I recommend going back and listening to some of those episodes because there's um, there's a lot that she has to say about it, and I cannot possibly sum it all up right here. But uh, you know, take a look, um, find her on social media, follow her project. It's really quite fascinating uh, what she's doing. Uh, in a similar vein, Phil Fortier's Cascadia Quest, uh, another throwback to the uh, EGA parser era. Uh, very convincing Lee Sierra style, really well done, uh, as far as I can tell from the trailers. So yeah, um, he's the guy who made the Snail Trek, which you can find for really cheap on Steam. They're very um, quick, easy, light and fun games, just to you know kill some time with, uh, but very very worth it, very rewarding experience. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, Summer Days at Hero U, you've heard us talk about here quite a bit. They've uh, they've they've gotten their funding. On Kickstarter, so that's uh, they got the green light to go ahead. So that's kind of like a side story in the Hero U universe, which itself is a continuation in the universe of Gloriana from Quest for Glory. So that's pretty exciting just to see it. It's it's kind of a bit more inter, it's kind of a bit more hybridized between interactive fiction and adventure games slash kind of um, I, I think it it's a little too reductive to call it choose your own adventure because there is. Um, it is going to be a little bit more elaborate than that. It will be a bit more game than just a choose your own adventure or an interactive, um, novel. So it's, um, it is kind of a lighter game though. It's kind of just sort of like a stand in between games. Uh, don't expect anything quite as in depth as Hero U was, but, uh, I think it will be a pretty fun, light experience, uh, to tide us over until the next one. And of course, um, there's Space Venture. Uh, made by uh, the two guys. Uh, I, I have all the confidence that'll be pretty awesome when it comes out. 
from the Classic Gamers Guild Facebook page, uh, Aaron Bowie asks, how much time do you have to actually fully immerse yourself into a game? I find that the older I get, the more sporadic becomes the time I can devote to gaming, and therefore I can never reach that state of complete involvement and flow that typified my gaming experiences in my youth back in the 90s and early 2000s. It just doesn't feel the same, and so I find myself gravitating toward discussion in groups that involve talking about and romanticizing the games of yesteryear rather than playing the games of today. Um, I fully agree. I don't really have a whole lot of time. One of the things that uh, actually comes up quite a bit um, when Paul and I talk about which episodes to plan forward to is that, uh, you know, we've only played so many games back in the day because, you know, back then you really had only one game, one or two games that you put all your attention to. And, um, you know, we over time we accumulated a fair amount of games that we've played through. Uh, but we're starting to run out of games to talk about off of our personal experiences from back then, which is why we're trying to branch a little bit more into like the indie games um, that did not work all the best for us. It wasn't so bad. Uh, they just don't really get as much as many. Um, they just don't really get as much interest as uh, more our more classically themed uh, episodes. So now as we're running out of classic games that we have played, we keep talking about classic games and indie games that we need to play so that we can talk about it. And that's kind of where it gets a little bit weird because, you know, um, a lot of these games, it's tough to find the time to play through these because, um, you know, a lot of the time that I would have spent on playing games, I am now spending on making a podcast to talk about the games. So I don't really have time to really sink my teeth into a lot of these ones. Uh, that's why we favor a lot of the shorter games. I was able to get a really good playthrough out of uh, the Red Strings Club that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, that was a really good one. It, you know, I got one really good uh, immersive experience out of that. I really wish I was a little bit younger to play that one so that I could have gone through multiple times and really explored all the different things um, in that world that I could have found if I had made different choices. But unfortunately, you know, being the age that I am, uh, I was just one and done and I have to move on. So it, it's tough. I don't really, um, I, I, I think having grown up with a lot of these games, it, I am actually pretty good at being able to project back and kind of figuring how well I would have taken to it if I had played it back then. Um, I mentioned in the episode about Echo Quest that, yeah, it was, um, I, I could imagine myself having a lot of fun with it back in the day. Um, and a lot of people who did play it back in the day kind of back up that, yeah, it was, it was great. And I could tell that even though I myself didn't really have the greatest time playing it now, I could just kind of contextualize it in my head saying, well, you know, back then I would have really liked this. Uh, via Twitter, Kennerly D, um, he is in fact the uh, guy who does the majority of our memes for our Facebook page. So if you enjoy some of those, that's actually um, Daniel who's uh, making those for us all to enjoy. Um, and he asks, since we're closing out the 2010s, what are some games that came out in the last decade that were your favorites? What titles will we look back upon fondly and consider them to be classics someday? Well, for one thing, there um, the last 10 years had some games which were just already instant classics, let alone um, in about 20 years from now. Uh, you know, we had The Last of Us, so I just haven't played that one, but uh, I hear that by all accounts that that's just a fantastic game. Um, you know, a lot of the Legend of Zelda's that came out, Breath of the Wild, particularly, 
Uh, Red Dead Redemption, I'm sure will be remembered as a classic. I eh, didn't really quite care for that one myself, but I, I guarantee you that's going to be a classic. Um, Stardew Valley, uh, Destiny, and Skyrim. I mean, those are all fantastic games. Um, in terms of favorites, I mean, I spent a lot of time on various Pokemon games, but those are already classics. You, regardless what generation they come out, they all have the same pedigree, and they're all considered lumped together. Same with uh, Monster Hunter. Um you can't really separate them individually. They're all just Monster Hunter. Each game is just Monster Hunter. And it's kind of already a classic because it came out quite some time ago uh, in its first iteration. So, but um, yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time on that. Portal, uh, or at least Portal 2 came out within the 2010s. Um, that's a fantastic game. That's a that's a classic waiting to be, uh, well, not even, it, it is a classic. What am I saying? That's a total classic. I believe a lot of the Mass Effect series actually came out. I know it started earlier with Mass Effect One. Um, actually, let me just uh, let me just find out when Mass Effect Two came out. If that came out within the last ten years, uh, yeah, it actually just makes the cut. Mass Effect Two came out January twenty sixth, twenty ten. So that will definitely, even if people. Uh, still harbor enough resentment towards the ending of Mass Effect 3 to not really want to consider that a classic. I still will, but, you know, for those people who don't, Mass Effect 2, still within the last 10 years, that's a classic. That's an awesome game. Uh, a lot of people agree that's the best in the series. Um, whether or not you agree or disagree, that'll definitely be looked upon as a classic. So, uh, yeah, I know that wasn't really the most creative of lists i you know that was just kind of going with a lot of the low-hanging fruit but they're low-hanging fruit for a reason because they're all of those are awesome games and those are all games that we're going to be remembering whether you're adults or kids when you played it people are going to be talking about all of those games 20 years from now uh okay so that leaves us with one more post that involves a lot of questions i've been kind of deliberately saving this towards the end just because um this is a whole bunch of of questions from a good friend of mine, Anna Vigu. You've heard her on here before, a few episodes back. Uh, we talked about Leisure Suit Larry. Um, it's a great episode. I really recommend you going back to it just to, because uh, she was a great guest and a good friend of mine. And she asks the following questions, uh, which I'll answer in turn. Um, question one Where do you see the podcast going in 2020? Um, semantically speaking, we're not going anywhere. We're going to be right here. Uh, that being said, we do have a couple of ideas, or at least I have a couple of ideas I'm kind of throwing around. It's very, um, uh, I don't really want to say it right now just because there's a good chance they might not actually happen, but we are, we are always trying to think of ways to make the show a little bit better or to add a new segment. In terms of uh, where the podcast is going, I think I'm probably going to focus a little bit more on trying to get some more people uh, for interviews because people really respond well to those. All of our highest rated episodes are the ones where we've interviewed people. Julia Minamata in episode one is still our uh, reigning number one uh, most listened to at the time of recording. Uh, Lori and Corey Cole's interview is number two. The um, the, uh, the Richard Garriott episode just been skyrocketing. I'm pretty sure it's there probably. I'm sure that one's probably at number three right now. Our interview with uh, Sean Mills when he was talking about his uh, upcoming book about Sierra, that did really well. Um, so people respond really well to our interview episodes. So I think um, you know, as much as we're not going to reduce the amount of uh, 
variety in the episodes moving forward. Uh, I think people do tend to like when we interview people more. So we'll probably try to bring a little bit more of that to the table in 2020. Um, oh, and speaking of which, the next question is, are there any guests you have on, are there any guests you have your eye on for the next year? Um, yes and no. I mean, we've been trying to get Bruce Bernaysi, uh back on the show. And actually, this episode was supposed to be the next interview with Bruce, but uh, things didn't work out quite the way we had planned them. So whether or not we get Bruce in before the end of the year or the next year, um, we're going to have to figure that one out. So he might not be... I'm sure we'll have him in 2020 again as well, uh, whether or not we get him on before the end of the year. You'll be hearing from him soon, one way or another. I've been trying to get Stephen Alexander of Infamous Quests on here because we, you know, we had Sean Mills, who uh, was also of Infamous Quests, although we had uh, Sean on for a different purpose. Um, Stephen Alexander has also been working on Frog Sheen. We've actually been in talk for months with him now, trying to get him on, and unfortunately things kind of... Uh, it, it's our fault. Um, we keep kind of putting it off just because, uh, you know, I always wanted to finish... Uh, quest for infamy before having him on the show so i invited him like a long time ago and i still haven't actually finished the game so um i, I totally uh accidentally keep postponing and postponing and just not getting around so i think probably in the new year sometime i'll get him on there will be a lot to talk about uh in terms of you know his past doing the uh sierra remakes doing his own original games and then his upcoming game yeah so uh we'll, we'll get him on here hopefully um asap uh there are a few bigger names that i have that i have on my sites um i don't really want to jinx anything by naming them out right now because i'm not actually in contact with any of them yet uh i do have people that i have my sights on i'm not a superstitious person but i don't like saying things before i can guarantee that they're in place uh, are you guys going to do more water cooler episodes soon? Um, good question. Uh, one of the, uh, I, I guess, kind of a continuation from the guests that were booked. Uh, there is um, one of our, uh, one of our listeners has approached us to be on the show. We would definitely love to have him. Um, so it would probably be more of a water cooler episode uh, if we do have him on. But again, the opportunity hasn't arisen yet, but we are working very hard to get them on ASAP, uh, probably in the new year, hopefully even before the new year, but we'll see where that goes. The next question is, are you guys going to have the Coles on again? Do you think you would ever interview them separately? Do you think they ever even do interview separately? Um, are we going to have the Coles on again? The short answer, and if you take nothing else away from any of this, the short answer is I would love to have them back. Um, it was a great episode we had with them. Uh, they're a great pleasure to talk to. All they have to do is ask, and they're in. don't know when that would be, but definitely they're always welcome. The uh, longer answer to that, however, is... Um, I'm not sure at this point what I would really have to talk to them about. I know that they have summer days in the works coming up, but they already do uh, their own streaming and they already answer a lot of fan questions just 
on Facebook. Like all you have to do is ask them and they'll answer for you. So I don't really know what more I can bring now that I've already had them on and talked to them at length about Quest for Glory and Hero You and that sort of thing. Probably definitely have them on once Summer Days releases. I don't know if that's 2020 or 2021 or when that's going to come out. But um, it um, honestly, they do really frequent and regular streams. Uh, I kind of feel like if I were to have them on the show to talk about that, it, it would kind of divide the audience a little bit because I want to encourage people to tune into their stream rather than hear them talk about what they would have talked about there over here. That got really confusing. Um, I apologize, but yeah, uh, short answer is if they want to be on, I would love to have them on. Uh, at the moment, I don't really know what I would say to them because uh, I am in frequent contact with them. Uh, I, I talk to them quite a bit. I'm sure I could get them on, but um, uh, they, they already, like I said, they already answer so many questions. Um, they've already been on the show to answer the questions that we did have. And they already do their own streams where they answer people's questions. So, yeah, I'd love to have them on, but I don't know what I would say. Uh, would we ever interview them separately? Sure, why not? Uh, I, I don't know if that's something they would want to do or not, but if they do want to, that'd be cool. I'd like to hear more from Lori. Corey can always carry an entire episode, uh, so they would both be pretty awesome in their own different ways. Um, do they do interviews separately? I don't know. I've never seen them do interviews separately. Uh, actually, wait, I, Lori did an interview on, um, uh, what's that other show called? Um, Lori was on uh, Level With Her with Leanna Kersner. Uh, so yeah, they have, that. that's at least one time where Lori has been interviewed separately. So, so it is possible. Um, it is possible. And uh, uh, I, I'm open to any way I can talk to the Coles. I'm really not picky. You know, the Coles, they're my heroes. I love them, both of them. Um, both together, each individually, uh, they're always welcome on, no matter what. Um, are we going to have more Richard Garriott? I would love to. Um, I could probably talk for a day with Richard Garriott. Um, his stories are amazing. I love it. And um, he was probably one of the easiest people for me to talk to just because I already had so many questions I've been wanting to ask him for years. Um, and yeah, it, it's um, uh, I, I really had to restrain myself when uh, interviewing him last time, just because I didn't really want to cover too much ground that had already been covered in uh, previous interviews and in his book, Explore Create. Uh, there was a little bit of retreading just because, you know, some stories were definitely worth it. And I did kind of call him out on a couple of things that he really uh, had every right to explain. Um, but yeah, uh, I would love to have him back on uh, anytime, any of the day of the week. Uh, honestly, I he was... Fantastic guest. I loved having him on. That's one of my favorite interviews that I could have done. Because uh, again, Richard Garriott's my hero. And I'm very, um, I, I have still so many questions I could be asking him. If uh, if time were not an issue, I could talk to him for like a week straight. Moving on. I really like it when you guys feature a classic adventure game. Do you guys think you would ever do listener's choice episodes? Um we are, we from quite a few months ago we were supposed to cover uh, Heart of China, and we never really got around to because you know it really is kind of hard to uh, find the time to finish a game and to really get into it, and really be able to get comfortable enough to talk about it. Um, I I would say that um, we would definitely listen quite heavily to um, Patreon supporters. If our Patreon supporters were to recommend a game, we would definitely give that 
a pretty high consideration. Uh, not many people talk to us is the thing. So that that's something that I would really like to try to uh, to increase moving forward is I want people to talk to us more. I know I don't really check my Facebook messages anymore. That's why I try to encourage people to, uh, you know, at the end of every show, we say, you know, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You can reach out to us uh, if you're a Patreon supporter. You can re- uh, email us. We have an email, Facebook group, Facebook page, just a whole bunch of ways to contact us. Uh, a lot of people have given us praise and say they enjoy the show. Not many people really reach out to us with requests. Um, we would totally consider that. Again, uh, a lot of it depends on timing, uh, how much, particularly how much time we have to actually give into this um we still owe everybody a heart of china episode and i don't know when that's going to happen so uh take everything i just said with a grain of salt uh we our ears are open um but our calendars might not be quite as open would you guys ever do a youtube live or twitch broadcast something with some video well not officially for the show um in the sense that these shows are really heavily edited um, you will not believe, even something as straightforward as this episode where I'm just reading and answering, there's going to be so many cuts because I've stumbled over my lines so many times. There's so many times I have to stop and think. There's going to be so many times I'm going to have to edit out my little uh, lip-smacking noises that I make uh, in between lines. Um, those are There's a lot of stuff that I cut out. There's a lot of stuff that I leave on the editing floor. And it's really easy to do when there's audio, but when you do video, you have to match that up and it's going to be very obvious where all the cuts are. So... Yeah, video is probably not something I'm going to do, but I am throwing the audio episodes up on YouTube so people can, uh, um, so we can hopefully reach some of the audience that we haven't really been reaching before. There's a certain convenience to YouTube versus the um, versus um, our actual web page or any of the uh, streaming apps. But um, I'm only really going to be putting up some of our more popular episodes onto YouTube. And I'm going to put our full catalog on there. Just like uh, just a few of the good ones. Just the ones that we particularly like. Or some of the ones that we find maybe a little bit more attention grabbing. Just the ones that we think might help to draw people more towards the show. I, I do a little bit of Twitch every now and then. I haven't done one in a very long time. But it's very casual. It's very um, unofficial. Just sort of, uh, you know chilling out for an hour here or there and uh, whoever's there is there. But um, I guess one of the plans I really want to do in 2020 is I actually do want to do a, uh, a little fundraiser benefits going towards Steven Alexander, who is going through some uh, health complications right now. Uh, and uh, you know, the medical bills are stacking. Some of our friends over at the YouTube adventure Roundtable have already done a fundraiser. Uh, possibly more. I'm aware of one that they did fairly recently. Um, and they also did it uh, to benefit Stephen and Alexander. They, they raised a bit of money. Um, you know, obviously not enough to cover everything they needed to cover, but you know, they, they uh, definitely helped and it was a good time and it raised a lot of good awareness. So uh, I hope to get enough ducks in a row that we can do that sometime in the next year. I would like to do my part and everything I can to try to help uh, Stephen Alexander. He's a really good guy. Uh, he's really, really a force for good in the community. And um, that's kind of where I'm at right now in terms of planning for the future. 
So I think that does wrap up the questions that we have for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode at least a little bit. Uh, again, um, I apologize that this wasn't exactly the episode that I want to bring to you just yet. This was going to be more of a Patreon exclusive, but um, uh, it's the episode that uh, I'm actually able to get out for everybody this week, given the circumstances. Um, the clock's ticking on deadline and i gotta get something out the door so if you have any other questions that uh, we weren't able to address here today uh feel free to reach out to us we're on facebook we have a page we have a group uh we're on patreon if you want to support the show you can find us on twitter at the cg guild you can find us on instagram at cgg podcast and you can send us emails whether they be fan mail or hate mail i don't care just send us something we're at mail at classicgamersguild.com and uh, until next time, and since Paul isn't here, don't do murders, because I am grammatically correct.